What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the question and answer podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. You can ask me anything and everything about our Catholic faith, from morality to spirituality, whether it's a question about everyday life or what we believe as Catholics. I am here to help you find answers. If you are a first-time listener, please be sure to follow the podcast. You can also hit me up with your own questions and comments at www.assistionpress.com slash askfatherjosh, spell it A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play and any other podcast outlets. And you can share us on your social media pages when you share us on social media. It helps other people to find out about the show. If it's been good for you, potentially it could be good for them as well. On today's show, we are going to be talking about prayer and particularly praying to the right person. Uh, if we pray to Mary, does that offend Jesus? And if we pray to other saints like Therese or Teresa of Avila uh, or John the Cross, does that offend Mary? How do we know who we're supposed to be speaking with whenever we are spending time with Christ in the body of Christ in the interior life? That's a great question, and uh, we're going to answer that. But before we get to that, I want to share with you a glory story. Yeah, my, my glory story, again, I I just love this season of, of priesthood. I love being at a Sacred Heart of Jesus Church, particularly the school. It's just been it's been a gift uh, to be at this at this school. I was doing a tour recently for some parents who are considering sending their kids to our awesome school. And again, there's like so many things that are unique about our school. We have we have sisters. Like there's no other Catholic grade school in our diocese and middle school that has has sisters who who do adoration with kids and who pray with them and who bring a dog to campus and a therapy dog. Uh, and play with them, and then and then join them in class for theology. And so it's just been a blessing. But one of the things that is drawing some of our families to our school isn't just the fact that they are going to be going to mass and have adoration and, and get a solid Catholic faith. But it's it's that our school it's it's like the most diverse school in our diocese. Like there are people of different races and ethnicities and socioeconomic backgrounds and even religions and. Everyone is invited to spend time in adoration. Everyone's invited to to spend time with the Word of God. And the fruit of that has, has even been a number of, of families who weren't Catholic are now becoming Catholic. A number of the students have been having encounters with Jesus in the Bible and in the Blessed Sacrament. And they've been asking their parents, like, I want to I want to become Catholic. And so the parents are coming into the church with their kids. It's just been it's been really beautiful, but particularly for me, as you all know, I'm biracial. My dad's black, my mom's white, and and it's been very it's been a passion of mine, I think, to to draw all people together in intentional relationship with each other, in fellowship with each other, in study of God's word with each other, in worship of God at mass with each other, in service to the poorest of the poor with each other. And today we had a, a basketball game, and at the basketball game, as I looked out into the stands or the crowds of students were at, it was just so beautiful seeing the students and and, and the parents just 
all fellowshipping with each other. Again, people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, people from different races and ethnicities and religious affiliations were all just delighting in each other's presence and joyfully being around each other. And it was just so, it was so cool to see the relationships. And I was like, man, this is what it's supposed to be like. You know, this is how it's supposed to be. We're all supposed to be together. We're all supposed to be, be one. We're all supposed to be invited to a seat at the table, particularly um, before the Eucharist in, in Adoration Chapel and with the Word of God and, and trust that the Lord can communicate so many graces with we just go before him and, and have an opportunity to be with him. And so as I was meeting with this couple, I was like, yeah, like most people who, who come here, like they choose to come here because they want their kids to have an experience of what it's like in the real world and to be formed as, as disciples in the real world with real people and have real relationships that, that, that last a lifetime. And, and they were like, yeah, that's, that's why we're, we're thinking about coming here because that's what is drawing us to your campus. And, and to find out you have nuns too, that's a bonus, right? <laughs> to find out you go to adoration once a week for the, with the kids, that's a bonus, right? So it was just, yeah, it was really beautiful. It was very consoling to my heart to see uh, heaven, to like to see Revelation 7, 9 on earth, to, to, to see brothers and sisters, young and old, just gathering together and, uh, and delighting and delighting and, and really, yeah, it's just, it's a gift. It's how it should be. And so I'm so grateful that God sent me here yeah, this, I have a heart, a grateful heart right now. My heart is filled with gratitude at the gift of this assignment and the gift of the, the staff and the teachers that I get to work with and the families I get to minister to and, and learn from how, how I can abide with them in relationship with them. And yeah, so praise God. Praise God for this, this school that is, that is intentional about trying to, to foster a community that looks like Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Ah, what a gift. If you would like to receive show notes before we go to our question, if you want to receive any show notes um, or any updates about the podcast, be sure to subscribe to my email list by texting Ask Father Josh to 33777. And with that, let's jump into today's question. Right, so our question today comes in from somebody who is anonymous, um, but this person writes this. So um, I often feel confused about whom I should pray to, Our Lady or one of the saints or Jesus. I feel like I'm hurting Our Lady if I turn to one of the saints. And I, I'm disappointing Jesus if I turn to Our Lady instead of him. Please, can you explain why and when we might pray to one instead of the other anonymous? Yeah, this is... What a great question. This is such a good question. So first, what does it mean to pray to a saint or pray to Mary? Because I think sometimes uh, if our Protestant brothers and sisters here say that we pray to Mary, we pray to saints, they might think we worship Mary or we worship the saints. We do not worship Mary. We do not worship the saints. We do not worship angels. We only worship God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It is a sin to worship anyone or anything other than God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when we say we pray to Mary or we pray to the saints or we pray to our angels, to pray also means to ask. Just like I would ask you, my brother or sister in Christ who I go to work with or who is in my Bible study 
or who's in my rosary group or who I serve the poor with or who I sit next to in class at school or who's my neighbor. But if I know you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, if I know you abide with Christ and I'm going through something, I will go to Jesus myself and I will beg Jesus for his grace. I will cry out to Jesus with the Psalms or with my own words in spontaneous prayer or with, or with gospel hymns or with praise and worship music or with Gregorian chant. I will sing to God. I will, I will speak directly to the Lord heart to heart, but I will also probably invite other members of the body of Christ to join me in prayer. And so uh, depending on what I'm going through might dictate who I go to uh, on earth. If I'm struggling with a child who I uh, know is not living a life of discipleship, a child who is uh, living in mortal sin, has walked away from their relationship with God and the church, then I might feel comfortable to go to another parent who's also experienced the same thing. And I'll ask that parent who's experienced the same thing, but who's also a disciple, in addition to me going to Jesus, will you pray for my son? Will you pray for my daughter? I know that you've experienced this too. I I just I feel like lost right now. Will you please join me in prayer? And that person will then hopefully commit to interceding. In addition to me going directly to Jesus, that friend who has experienced something similar or is still experiencing it will now be interceding with me um, as well. And so uh, the same could apply with the saints in heaven, right? In addition to going to Jesus directly, Mary is not going to be sad if we go to a, a saint who had a child who was rebellious. Certainly Mary did not have Jesus as a rebellious child, but Mary's our mother. At the foot of the cross, Jesus gave Mary to John and said, take her as your mother. She was not his biological mother, but she became the mother of the church at the foot of the cross. And so she's our mother. And so so she does have experience with wayward sons and daughters. So we can always go to Mary, the mother of God, or we can go to people like St. Monica, that African saint whose son, St. Augustine of Hippo, uh, lived a very rebellious life um, in committed many, many sins and was not practicing the faith of his mother. But because she continued to persevere in prayer and fasting, he eventually did come around. God heard her cry and God responded to her cry and God gave her son the grace to not only confess and repent, but to become a priest and then a bishop. And then uh, now he's a doctor of the church. And so we can always and should always go directly to Jesus. But in addition to going to Jesus, we can reach out to other members of the body of Christ who might be more relatable to that particular thing, both on earth and members of the body of Christ in heaven. Because remember, Jesus Christ says in the the scriptures, nothing will separate you from my love, not even death. And so if you are a member of the body of Christ on earth, if you are abiding in relationship with Jesus Christ on earth, if you persevere in your relationship with Jesus Christ by the grace of Jesus Christ, then when you die, he doesn't say, I deuces, I'm done with you. I'll see you at the end, end of time or whatever. No, like you continue to remain in him because... Uh, you are a member of his body. Like, just like he talked to Moses and Elijah on the top of Mount Tabor. Remember, Moses died, but yet Moses was talking to Jesus on the top of Mount Tabor during uh, the transfiguration. So it is certainly possible for Jesus to have conversations with his saints in heaven about us, right? About us and about what we go to them, talking to them about as well. And so Mary does not get jealous, right? The saints are all one. They're all one body. The saints are the body of Jesus Christ. It's like we're the body of Jesus Christ. And so uh, they are still in communion and union with them. But you might not be a parent who has a child who's left the church or who's struggling in their faith. You might be a spouse and your husband or your wife isn't living their vows. And you're like, man, like I'm really struggling in my marriage right now. And so you can go to people like Elizabeth Lassier, who whose husband was an atheist and whose husband mocked her for her faith. And uh, you can ask her like, all right, you get this. Like, obviously, again, Mary's husband, Joseph, was great. Like, he was just a, 
a good guy. He was a just man. He was a righteous man. And so you, you might not feel like I can relate to Mary on this one. Certainly she's my mom, so she cares about me. So she wants to also go to Jesus and plead before the throne of God. Uh, just like she did at the wedding of Cana, Mary interceded for that couple. She saw that they were in need and went to Jesus. So she will, she will pray for me. But also I, I might be able to relate to a saint um, who experienced difficulties in marriage like Elizabeth Lisieux or uh, Daphne uh, uh, Rugamba. Um, you know, like there, there's there's so many saints who had difficult marriages and blessings and venerables in service of God that we can also turn to. Um, if we're personally struggling with sexual sin, our sins of the flesh, lust, um, our affection for sin after we've come back to the church, we can turn to Mary of Egypt where we're like, hey, look, you know, like I'm struggling with lust right now. I haven't given into my vice, but I certainly have an affection for my past sins. Well, she understands she was a prostitute for 17 years, right? And so uh, she messed around with a lot of people. In the words of Tupac, she got around. She definitely got around. Um, And after she had her conversion and came back to Jesus in the church, for 17 years, she still struggled. So I I know I walk with like a lot of young people who have conversions. And then they're like, wait a minute, why am I still struggling with this vice? I'm like, look, Mary of Egypt literally struggled after conversion for 17 years. She's a saint, Saint Mary of Egypt. She had this affection for sin. Like she, sin was pleasurable for her. And so she remembered it fondly. And she didn't, she didn't want to have that affection, but she did. And so for 17 years, she still struggled. And she finally found freedom after that struggle for 17 years. And so we could turn to people like her if that's the, the thing that we're going through. Or maybe we have addictions to alcohol or addictions to, to drugs or to prescription pills or whatever. Um, so we can go to Marquis Tai Ching, right? He was an addict, an opium addict his whole life. It, he, he didn't encounter Christ and all of a sudden find freedom from his, his addiction. He struggled as a disciple of Jesus Christ, and he kept falling again and again and again, but he never gave up. And so he can encourage us and inspire us to like not give up. So like, man, like I'm struggling with this addiction, or I have a family member who has this addiction. Well, he gets it, and so we can go to him for that. And obviously, we go directly to Jesus, but with Jesus, we go to the body of Christ as well. Or we might have mental illness, or we might be walking with someone who has mental illness. And so we can reach out to people like St. Oscar Romero, our blessed Rutilio Grande, um, or um, Catherine Doherty or Dorothy Day, like all these members of the body of Christ experience different forms of mental illness, some depression, some uh, severe anxiety, some schizophrenia, some bipolar. So there's these different illnesses that they experienced. And so we can turn to them in addition to going directly to Jesus, who, while he was experiencing his agony in the garden, certainly suffered there as well, mentally in the garden. Um, we can turn to him, but we can also turn to to the body of Christ. And we could turn to our brothers and sisters on earth, who we know are disciples who have battled addictions in the past or are still battling those addictions in the present moment, but are clinging to Christ. Our, our brothers and sisters who have experienced profound mental illness or trauma from sexual abuse, like Josephine Baquita, when she was stripped naked as, uh, as a slave, and she was, her body was mutilated by her masters, right? So if we've experienced trauma, like, man, she's somebody we can go to. If we're walking with somebody who's experienced that kind of trauma, which in our current time, so many people, so many people in our schools and in our churches um, have been victims of sexual abuse. Uh, so many. It's, it's terrible, the numbers. And so we could turn to her and be like, all right, we need you to join us in prayer. Uh, we need you to show us like how you were able to uh, cling to Christ and the church in the midst of all the things that you suffered um, following your your trauma. So there's all these different saints 
that we could turn to in addition to Mary, in addition to Jesus. So Jesus Christ, he wants us to be in relationship with every member of the body. That's why he created us in such a way as like he gives certain people certain gifts and other people not those gifts. That way, if I don't have those gifts, I need to be with you because you have those gifts or you've had that experience or you have that whatever. He wants us to love each other. He wants us to be in relationship with each other on earth and in heaven. And so the Lord Jesus Christ desires for us to abide with every member of the body of Christ, and including his mother, um, but also in, in including him. Right? He is the head. And so it will not displease heaven if you have a particular relationship with a particular saint or a particular devotion to the Blessed Mother, or if there's a season where uh, you, you feel drawn more to, to this one or that one. It's cool. It's totally cool. Uh, all of heaven rejoices, delights, because the goal is to abide in a deeper relationship with Jesus. And sometimes it's through other people that we grow closer to Christ, whether it's through our neighbors on earth, our classmates, our teachers, our pastors, our sisters, our deacons, our monks, our friars, our mentors, our, our missionaries, whoever it is that we're walking with physically, but also those who we walk with spiritually, those who are already servants of God and venerable and blessed and saints in heaven. So I would encourage you to just... Be open to the Spirit of God drawing you to whoever He draws you to for you to stay with Jesus Christ. Hmm. Yeah. So let me know what you think if you have any follow-up questions to that response. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we get back, I know we talked about a bunch of saints, but we're going to dive into our particular saint for today's show. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista. When I became Catholic, I had a really hard time understanding the role Mary was supposed to play in my life. So I went to her and I told her, I just don't get it. I need your help. And guess what? Mary did just that. She showed me a way to pray that has revolutionized my entire life. Mary has been called the mother of listening. She didn't just hear the word. She knew how to hear it in light of her own relationships, circumstances, and habits. And then she let the word transform her. I realized that I had to share what I was learning about Mary's way of praying with others. So I wrote How to Pray Like Mary, a step-by-step guide to discovering God's voice in the scriptures and letting Him transform your heart. I invite you to learn more about How to Pray Like Mary at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. And we're back. Just a reminder, if you're a first-time listener, please be sure to follow the podcast. You can hit me up with your own questions and comments at www.essentialpress.com slash askfatherjosh. And if you want to receive show notes and any updates about the podcast, be sure to subscribe to my email list by texting askfatherjosh to 33777. Our saint for today's show is a venerable member of the body of Christ uh, from Puerto Rico, uh, Venerable Rafael Cordero y Molina. Why? Why him? Well, Rafael Cordero Molina, uh, he uh, was was born in 1790 in, in St. John, Puerto Rico, San Juan. He came into this world in a, a poor family. He came into this world in a black family. And at that time, slavery was legal. And so his family, they weren't slaves. They were free people of color. But because they were black, they were not allowed to attend school. Growing up, and so there were laws against black children in Puerto Rico going to school, getting an education, and so uh, he learned what he could from his parents, who learned what they could from people in the community, and he began to to show uh, at a, at a young age a profound desire to 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 read and to write. And so he studied on his own. He did not have a formal education, but he began to study on his own. And eventually he was able to, to become a teacher. And 
he was Catholic. He received the sacraments and uh, yeah, but he felt called to share this gift that he had of teaching with other people. And it really was a charisma of teaching because people were drawn to him. He was filled with like energy. He was on fire whenever he would teach. And uh, people would also come into the church. So no matter what he taught, whether it was literature or math or or science, whatever he taught, people were drawn also to Jesus. He also taught religion. Uh, And so he opened up because he's like, you know what? If we can't go to school, if there's no school that will accept us, then I'm just going to found my own school. So like as a layman, he opened up his own school. Uh, he he worked as a tobacco farmer, and and then he would use his money to get supplies for kids who were poor. And what was interesting and unique and beautiful about him is that he wanted to teach all kids. And so he opened up his school to black children in Puerto Rico and white children. And black children in poverty and white children experiencing poverty all came to his school and became young disciples of Jesus Christ and grew exponentially in their intellectual formation. And so many of them began to grow intellectually and and wholly spiritually as well that the rich kids in the community began to notice. And they began to long for what these kids in poverty were experiencing. And so the parents of the rich children began to send their kids to his school, which was against the law. This was totally against the law. But they saw the fruits. And so even whenever the government saw this as well, they knew what was happening. They're like, you know what? Even though we don't support this because he's breaking the law because they didn't think blacks and whites should be together— they saw the fruits and they're like, you know what? We're just going to let him slide. We're going to let him get away with this. So he officially opened up the first integrated school. Um, and I guess, yeah, one of the reasons why I've become very close with him in this season of my priesthood is because our school, Sacred Heart of Jesus, is such a diverse school with so many different people from so many different backgrounds. And they are all abiding in this beautiful friendship with each other and this deep relationship with each other. And they're all growing in a deep, deep, deep intimacy with Christ uh, in the Bible and in um, Eucharistic adoration, the Blessed Sacrament and their relationship. Like the, the way these kids pray, the way they talk about Jesus, it's been very beautiful. And so I just perceive that uh, Rafael Cordero y Molina, this this lay saint from Puerto Rico, uh, I, I perceive him praying for us and interceding for us. And so if you would like to see more unity in your community, if you would like to see people of different socioeconomic backgrounds and races and ethnicities come together in real fellowship and, and authentic prayer and, and join each other side by side in worship of God at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, then I would encourage you to, to join me and asking Venerable Rafael Cordero y Molina to intercede for you and for us um, so that we can uh, we can see these similar graces in the geographical boundaries of, of our community as well. So, Venerable Rafael Cordero y Molina, please pray for us. Until next time, God bless.